Welcome to Ecclesia Principles, a biblical strategy for believers to engage in God's design for government with Ray Eppard. Hello, glad you could join us again today. We are, for the second week, looking at some of the stumbling blocks that prevent Christians from engaging in culture, from engaging in affecting policy, that keep them from affecting government. So many, you know, I can remember, and I think I did share this last week, and I'll share it again. I believe it was in the 2000 election. It was like a, a night or two before the actual day of election. And they were talking to a lot of the experts, the analysts, on what would determine that election. And this was between uh, George W. Bush and Vice President Al Gore. And at that point, they went around and different ones, you know, economy, you, you know, uh, uh, abortion or pro-life and a variety of things. I don't remember what all of them said. But they finally get to the last guy, and there was like five or six of them. And when they got to him, he kind of chuckled. And I don't remember his name. I wished I did. I'd give him credit for it. But he, he chuckled, and he said, you know, he said all the things that these guys have said, you know, he said they're true to a degree. He said, but, he said, every election in America is really determined by the evangelical vote. He said, there is no bigger block of voters in America. He said, and what that block does decides the election. He said, if they rally behind a candidate and the majority of them are in favor of that candidate, he said, then you'll see landslides like Ronald Reagan, in which, you know, at this point, I think we are uh, a, a little less percentage-wise from that. But I still think that's very much the case. He said, and if they are not enthusiastic about the candidate and some of them decide to stay home, he said, then at that point, or he says, or they're mixed, they, you know, they kind of split this guy or that person, you know. He said, then it falls to these other things, but only falls to these other things because of what they did, because of where they stand on the issues. He said, then it falls to those secondary issues. And, but we need to understand that, and I still believe it is true. It, it might not be as big a percentage but it is still the biggest percentage in America. And that is, again, if you would, the evangelical vote, the Christians, the biggest single voting block in America. Now, it's not a unified voting block. And from that, we all have the right to make our choices and decisions. Do not misunderstand me about that. We, we do have the right to make our choices and decisions. But... The sad part of it is so many people that, that go by the name of Jesus, they call upon the name of Jesus, 
don't engage in affecting our culture. They just don't for a variety of reasons. And we've been talking about some of those stumbling blocks. Today, I want to take something that Jesus said so that we can see that it's actually the will of God for us to engage. But the, the first part of this, I kind of want to pick up where we left off yesterday because we were talking about how that God is sovereign. And the idea that God is sovereign uh, is sometimes misappropriated. Uh, it, it isn't, it, it's not understood correctly, if you would. I don't like putting it that way, but I don't know how else to put it. Because here's the bottom line. The way some people teach that God is sovereign means that he approves everything that happens, that everything is the will of God. If it happened, it's the will of God. And one of the the most horrible examples that I have ever heard along this line, I was uh, reading an article by a minister, and he was talking about ministering to a young lady that had been raped, and she was expectant. And he said he was talking about how difficult it was to get her to see that this was the will of God. Her being raped and becoming expectant was God's plan. It was his design. And I'm like, oh, God help us. God help us when, when we have people sharing things like that. You know, what happened? Her being raped is a sin. That person sinned, not her, but the person who raped her sinned. And by definition, sin is not the will of God. So what was done was not the will of God. Now, at that point, some people go, oh, all I can say is, is God help you? Because God is sovereign. But he gave humanity a free will to make choices. And since God is sovereign, he can do that if he wants to. He can actually choose to let you make a choice. Why can he do that? Because he's sovereign. None of us can tell him he can't. But a lot of people know, no, God's sovereign. That, that, you know, humanity doesn't have a choice. You know, it's just God's will. No. If God says it's humanity's choice, then that theologian doesn't really matter because God is sovereign. God can set it up however he wants to set it up. Don't tell God what he's got to do. He can do what he can set it up however he wants to set it up. And see, the thing of it is, that's what the Bible's for is to show us how he set it up, to tell us what he has said, what he has decreed, and how it is. That's what the Bible teaches us. And from that point, then we come to know what God will take care of and what God is expecting 
us to steward. There is no stewardship if God is controlling everything. Let me say that again. There is no stewardship if God is controlling everything. Now, our passage I want to read is uh, Matthew 16, verse 18 and 19. Here Jesus, this is when he's asking, who do people say that I am? And then he says, but who do you say that I am? Peter responded and said, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, get this. He says, I'm going to build my church. The word there in the Greek for church is ecclesia. Now, in all honesty, if you look it up, the etymology of the word church, church does not come from the word ecclesia. We have no English equivalent. If you word, would, ecclesia is a transliteration. That means it basically came over unaltered from the Greek in this case. It is a little bit different, but it's, it's basically the same. We just borrowed that word and made it a part of our vocabulary. You can look up the definition in virtually any dictionary, and you will see that the primary meanings for the word ecclesia is it was the name, and especially at the time that Jesus said this. It was the name of the legislative body of the Greek city-states. Now, at this point, the, the Roman Empire had conquered Greece, but they left a lot of the things in place. But if you would, they borrowed much from the practices of the Greeks. And if you would, you can do your research on this, that the, the Sanhedrin was really modeled after the Greek ecclesia. They are very similar in nature. And when you see the Sanhedrin in the Gospels and even in the book of Acts, that was the Roman equivalent of the Ecclesia. And if you would, that group uh, basically formed what we would today call the local government. And then there was a governor like Pontius Pilate. There was the state government, if you would. And then there was the federal government, Caesar. But the Sanhedrin governed locally. That's why when they brought Jesus to Pilate, and Pilate determined that, you know, this is just a religious argument, he said, y'all go deal with it. And they said, but we can't kill him. <laughs> it's not lawful for us to kill anybody. In other words, we want to kill him, and we can't do it legally, so we need you to do it. See, they had governmental authority. The Sanhedrin did. And if you would, they were... It, the, the real 
formers of culture locally. They were the formers of culture. They decided what could be done within the framework that Rome provided and within the Greek city-states, each city-state was its own entity. So those, the ecclesia actually determined the culture within their jurisdiction, if you would, their, within their realm of authority. And notice verse 19. Jesus says, and I will give you, give who? The ecclesia, the keys of the kingdom, the keys. If you would, they didn't have automobiles back then, but they did have doors. And by giving them the keys, what do you do with keys? There's really two functions regarding a key and a door. You either lock it or you unlock it. You either shut it up or you open it up. Jesus in verse 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, whatever you lock up, will be bound in heaven. You bind it, you lock it up, heaven will back that. Heaven will lock it up. And whatever you loose on earth, whatever you unlock, whatever you open up, heaven will open up. Heaven, it will be loosed in heaven. If you would, it is very important to notice the earth action first and then the corresponding action in heaven. We're going to get into more of this tomorrow, and I encourage you to be with us because we need to change our thinking. We can't keep doing the same thing expecting different results. God bless you. See you tomorrow.